Ready to go. Words. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to Emma's podcast. In today's podcast, we got somebody that I dearly love, and you heard him before actually talking with me. Uh, and by the way, just to let you know before we enter into the conversation, the beautiful, absolutely magical music that you are listening at before and after has been composed by Jenner Zeno, who actually is a genius on its own. I'm telling you guys, you have to go check the website. And as the person I'm talking to today, who is the founder of Studio Stargazer. But we're going to go back a little bit in his past right now. Before Jenner, you say anything, because I'm hearing he's like ready to go. I'm like, no, 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 no. So to know a little bit about Jenner right now, I'm going to talk a little bit about that. He was the co-founder of Element 29 Gift and Apparel then moved on to be a brand manager for a company, then from the brand manager, assistant from desk manager, then entertainment director for a thirsty lizard bar and grill, and then finally uh, became the co-founder of Southern Arizona Stargazers, which uh, is a club for astro astrophotography buffs, astronomy students, astrophysics nerds, and all manner of stargazers. You know what? I miss this one because I should have gone over there. I will never come back here in Minnesota. But foremost, since 2012, he's the founder of Studio Stargazers, which is an incredible, incredible space to be. Um, because it's uh, using a lot of beautiful sounds and magic to travel into the universe. And it's amazing from community theaters to studio targazer to uh, storytelling. It's amazing to listen, listen to the beautiful composition of music because he's a dreamer, a producer, a director, a composer like you heard. Uh, because I've never thought somebody would ever write the music for me, and it did and surprised me. He's a writer, a beautiful writer, and a storyteller, and voiceover, a KG and a DJ. But I want to talk about the storytelling as well, because if you have not checked out on his website, uh, Journey to Saturn, the Cassini uh, story, you have to, or you can go on Podomatic and find that episodes as well, where I was Cassini. So I want first to introduce you, everybody, to Jenner. Hi, Jenner. Hi, my love. How are you doing today? Hello. I am doing so good. How are you? <laughs> oh, just another day in paradise here. Now I'm talking to you. <laughs> and yes, I say I love Jenner. Yes, Jenner. I love Jenner. So my goodness uh you have done so much and uh we're gonna talk a little bit uh, later on as studio stargazers but the question i have for you is you have a passion for the universe you have a passion for the stars 
I want to know when this all started. Oh, gosh. I think it was the first time I actually saw them and saw how much I was missing by growing up in the city because I grew up uh, in San Diego. And it's comparatively, it's not, you know, super bad light pollution, but you're lucky if you see maybe a handful of stars uh, on any given night. And then most of them are planets anyway. They're not even stars. So coming out here, I live in the middle of absolute nowhere um, in, in Arizona, southern Arizona. And the first time I ever visited out here, um, just kind of passing through on vacation, was with my dad when I was like maybe six, seven, eight, something like that. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure, but I, re- I remember this this part of the world, and you know, I have deep family roots that go back here generations and generations, all the way to like the wagon trains and, and stuff. So. I felt a really deep connection to just this part of the world. And then the sky out here is just insane. And I, it must have been that trip being, you know, six, seven, eight years old and looking up and going, oh my gosh, that's what, that's what I was missing. Cause mm-hmm. it's, it's just insane. You can see, you can see the Milky Way from here. You can see the dark rift that goes across the Milky Way. You can see just countless 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 stars and that's the thing that really keeps me here is is it it's it's a good reminder of of not only how small we are mm-hmm. <laughs> um it makes you feel really small mm-hmm. uh but neil degrasse tyson has the has this thing he likes to say too it means when i look up i don't i don't feel small i feel big because i'm a, i'm a part of that you know, I, mm-hmm. we are that part of the universe that's looking at itself in kind of in wonder. So it's it's that superposition of both states of feeling so tiny and insignificant, but also feeling uh, like you're a part of the biggest thing ever, which is mm-hmm. the universe. And it's if if you don't fall in love with that, I mean, you're not you're not human. <laughs> That's that's fantastic. So, you discovered the sky, and um, the question I have for you is: Okay, from the sky, what did you do? Did you just ever thought that you would be studying something uh, like Stargazer Studios, Orange, or did you use your imagination to to create something else? To you know, from the point you're being, in, you, you discovered the sky to where you are today. What was your thought process and how did you get to where you were to where you are? Well, it's when I really started falling in love with space exploration. Um, Obviously, Cassini is my favorite mission of all time. Uh, The Cassini Huygens mission to Saturn. But it must have been, Oh gosh, 2012, I think, is when we had the Curiosity mission, and I was very much into that. Um, this That was kind of a landmark mission for NASA, landing a one-ton rover on Mars, the biggest thing that we'd ever sent, and, you know, just the, the orchestration and, and the technology that went into doing that, uh, landing something that big on, on Mars, just it floated down 
like a but like a butterfly from a jetpack, and that was really kind of like unlocked that that wonder, you know, that I think we're all born with, that mm-hmm. kind of wonder for exploration and life and all of that. So that was probably 2012 when when things turned around. The studio didn't really start doing <laughs> anything uh, until the podcasts. Um, came along I started the studio primarily just as my own record label because I knew that you know my style was so different that it wasn't likely to get picked up by you know some big record label and I didn't want it to be either I, I always wanted to just have my own label and um, what am I gonna call it <laughs> so yes. uh, it's the star the stargazer thing and then i i flipped mm-hmm. it you know from being stargazer studio um to mm-hmm. studio stargazer the studio really comes first it's it's the engine that is empowering now all types of creativity but i i really had if you go back and you listen to like my first uh, podcast episodes they're pretty simple pretty raw for a long time it was just conversations we, we talked to many amazing people um we've had different co-hosts come in and out over time but it it had this slow evolution toward becoming more immersive becoming more cinematic doing more scoring uh, musical scoring and sound design and sampling clips from all over the world and space and time and, and things lots of pop culture references and just never letting it be definable uh, mindwave is completely undefinable because it's it's completely different from one day to the next mm-hmm. and it's been a little bit of everything at the same time but that's that's really where this idea for more deeper level you know immersive creative storytelling came from and then we found it the theater um you know a couple years ago and it is just now evolving into something new, which oh, is absolutely. the Imagination Theater, and you're 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 a big so, part of that. That's <laughs> the Saturn is the first piece. <laughs> yes, and that was that's an amazing piece. But I, w- I wanted to know, uh, first of all, do you have music in? Do you have a background in music? Because you wrote um, just for the intro. And the music you wrote for me for my podcast, it's like mm. I would have never, um, you know, I was looking for a new one and I had a new one temporarily for like a couple of weeks until you you decided uh, and I was so humbled to, to create one for my podcast. But do you have a background in music? Uh, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say a background because I, I mean, I've been playing piano since I was you know six or something since I since I was old enough to reach the keys I've been playing the piano but I, I'm entirely self-taught I can't uh, that's what read I wanted to or know. write okay. music at all I have yep. no background in music theory I just and uh, that's yeah, why I bring I love it sound. up <laughs> yes, and the sound is, uh, that's why I'm going to invite people to uh, to go on Stargazers and listen to the music because 
By listening to the sound, you would never believe you do not have a formal education uh, or being trained, a formal training on how to write music. That's what I wanted uh, people to know. You're an autodidact. That's what we call it, autodidact. It's somebody who's capable yes. to do. Uh, we're autodidacts here, so the <laughs> is not having any formal training, but knowing it deep in our core of what we're capable to do and let our skill set evolve. Because the music is so beautiful. But with the music comes the words too. Because it's not only music, is the storytelling. And that to me is, again, I'm gonna ask you, do you have a formal training on writing stories? Oh my gosh. Uh... No, not at all. I didn't even think that I could. I've never thought of myself uh, as a writer. Um, Journey to Saturn was really the first ever piece that I, I wrote every single word of. And and then you helped me make that into something. That was the first time that's ever happened. Um, uh, I, I had written large chunks of the first story only through fire from about halfway on and um, they're still my stories only through fire and a bigger table which are the, the big two really big pieces for the theater um, but we had a, another lead writer on that who, who's definitely you know classically trained let's put it as as the correct way to do things I've always had a kind of rejection of the whole idea of there being a correct way to to do I something, I don't so, think there's. A, I don't think there's a correct way. No, there is. A, there is people who are trained, mm. and there is people who are gifted to have. Don't need the training because they're already trained when they showed up here on Earth. So, mm. for me, it's utilizing our skill sets and let them evolve. So some people will need the training and some don't. And, and for me, listening to the music, uh, reading the words you, you wrote are amazing. It's very deep. It's really coming from a deep place. It's not something, it's like I have to put the words together so it has to be a certain way. It's you bring the feeling into it. You bring more than the words. You bring the essence of uh, the words into it because you can write we can all write but if you don't put your um, the essence the feeling in there then the word to me is flat you don't mm. feel it essence is a, is a good word I think about <clears throat> writing kind of the same way I think about music music was really my first my first language you know, I've always had a much easier time conveying, you know, my thoughts, my emotions, you know, always way easier for me to communicate in music than, than in words. Um, I was not a good uh, reader or writer in, in school. Just the, I'm talking like literally just words on the page. Um, <clears throat> when I started working, um, in a job where I could wear headphones for 40 hours a week. I started listening to a lot of audiobooks and a lot of different podcasts. And that was really when I started to absorb this kind of content because I actually have a very hard time reading 
uh, text just throughout my entire life. I've always had that where like I'll, I'll read I'll read a couple pages in and then I'll get to this one paragraph and I'll find myself reading the same paragraph five times, you know, and it's not sticking. It's not, there's some disconnect there. So um, the written word is, is something that I've, I've, I've had a deep appreciation for a long time, but I, I never felt like that was, you know, for me, uh, it's always just been about, about the sound and, and about the music and, and, really the kind the story the story to me if i'm telling a story i want it to feel you know like it could have been passed down just by word of mouth generation after generation after generation and it's probably changed a bunch of times uh, that's how i think about music too it's I don't know, just different, different, different languages. But as as a technical, like technically writing, mm-hmm. uh, I'm horrible. I don't follow, <clears throat> I don't follow the rules. I have all kinds of extra ellipses and improper capitalizations because if if I'm going to read something, I you know, uh, th- I know where I want to hit, you know. So there's just all these extra capital letters. It's totally wrong as far as school is concerned, but it, it helps me you know, getting getting through a performance of something. Or it also gives cues to, you know, people who are coming in, uh, like you did with Journey to Saturn and, and performing pieces. So my actual writing style is, is very wrong, technically, uh, as, as far as schools would be concerned, but it feels more natural to me. Um, that's the best way to put it. <laughs> yeah, that's beautiful. No, that, yeah, I think it's beautiful. And being able to create that space that gives you uh, really the power to um, to be who you are and really create at the level you need to create, I think it's beautiful. I think it's a great, um, great opportunity to invite not only people to listen to it, but people to come and join as well. So to be that's, a part of it with us, yeah. That's, yes, that's the to goal. Be pa- <laughs> to be part of it, but there is, you know, uh, as we said, there is some like everything else. There's some guidelines and rules that needs to be uh, follow up as well in that regard. So because it's a very beautiful and safe space where creativity is a must, but also feeling part of a family and uh, being being empowered to really. Um, let your the, the spirit or spirit talk and you know break the glass ceilings and be free to really reflect what uh studio stargazer is as i said when you gave me we're gonna i think forever we're gonna talk about that piece <laughs> to southern when you gave me um the snippet of the music it was just beautiful but the words that you had were absolutely powerful. You could feel uh, what you know Cassini could have felt when it left Earth into the end of its journey. So, you know, becoming Cassini was just amazing. But those words had so much power. That was the amazing part of it. So when we're looking at the theater, because uh, when people would go on Star, um, on Studio Stargazers, 
there is different area you can go and the theater it is really a theater guys it's really the sound is like you're sitting down into a theater and really listening to it is extremely powerful and having heads from set it's even more powerful but everything is down at the theater level it's going and pay your 15 bucks or whatever it is right now for paying to a theater and listening to it it is absolutely amazing i would say so the theater experience is a must definitely yes please please come and experience the theater uh productions hello puppy yeah i um, think they're, they're, I, I think mac is sorry Chandra, i think mac is creating a mayhem with his daddy get her going right now outside, so that's all <laughs> no worries i love it when the dogs make guest appearances on the show um it really is and and i like that you nailed down on that because that's that's why i call it a theater is because it's it's a theater where you know you really definitely want to be listening on on good headphones or maybe in in your car where you have oh, yes. some kind of surround sound oh my god yes. um and mm -hmm. not while you're driving kids okay because <laughs> ideally you'd want to close your eyes the the, the screen or the, or the stage is is inside your mind it's, it's oh, yes. using the power yeah. of your own imagination mm -hmm. to the the audio is just going to guide you but uh -huh. one of the most beautiful things uh, about this type of storytelling is that everybody's seeing something slightly different in their own heads. And yes, the, the, the my favorite um, example of this is with, with the piece Orion's Bell, which I'm not, that's one that I'm not super proud of. Um, the story and, and, the, and the production itself, it's not it's definitely not at the top of my list, but mm -hmm. it's a story about a cat, you know, who lives in a castle and he has to get, you know, the courage to go outside and play with, you know, his new animal friends. And it, it was intended as, as a children's story, but it's about this, you know, cat, which is really a metaphor for depression mm -hmm. um, and what it's what it's like to feel like you're you know trapped in this dark, scary castle. Mm -hmm. And. I really enjoyed asking people like at the end of it, like, okay, what color was the cat? <laughs> because we never described the cat, uh, but everybody saw, you know, somebody, you know, some people would insist, oh no, that was an orange tabby cat or, mm -hmm. or no, that was a calico. Oh, that, yeah. you guys didn't see a black cat? That was definitely a black cat. And so everybody saw a different cat. Uh, and I'm like that. That mm -hmm. is the magic of, of this kind of storytelling. And I've had lots of people go, well, why don't you do, why don't you make something visual to go along with it? I'm like, I do. I just do that with my brain. I don't, <laughs> we don't need a screen for that. What, the what imagination is powerful. Imagination. And I think doing this, it will bring back imagination for people who are listening. So if you lost mm -hmm. uh, some of that, because, you know, with the day-to-day -day life we're living, we are not using as much imagination if we're not an artist. But I'm thinking that um, using the theater um, portion of the uh, website really encourage you to unplug and really open the door to your imagination to create that movie in your head, which I think is beautiful. It's a great way, but the sound, everything is so, it's like in a theater. It's, you can feel it. The music is so powerful, you can feel it. You feel the energy. And the same with 
um, the voice um, in those uh, theaters, uh, in those, what do you call it? Now I'm calling them theaters. Uh, in the community we're in, because yes, the, uh, you got the little lights, you got a snippet of Journey to Saturn teaser, and uh, it's it's really do like uh, if you're listening to uh, By the Water of Babylon, Enough Rope, Part One. Yes, you wanted to say something about the waters of Babylon. By the Waters of Babylon mm-hmm. is. It's an amazing story, and I, d- I don't want to give um, anything about the story. I don't want to give anything away, but I, I was challenged uh, to read this piece, and I had never heard of it before. I didn't Google it beforehand. And yeah. in, in, as I was reading it, that was my first time ever reading it, and I had no idea what was happening <laughs> in the story. Mm-hmm. I was just following you know, where, where the words were leading me and I, mm-hmm. I didn't really understand. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of the classic hero's journey but told in, in a really interesting way. Yes. And it's reflective of humanity and, and the struggles that we go through. And what, by the time I got to the end and realized what was actually happening, I was like, holy shit. <laughs> it is, it's an amazing piece, but I didn't even know what the fuck was happening. Yeah. Uh, as I was reading it, which uh, you can kind of, I, I would hope, be able to hear a little bit of that in my voice, that uncertainty. When, when is this taking place? Uh, you know, who, who, is, who is this guy? Who is John, son of John? And um, the, the reveal at the end is, is pretty freaking epic. But I, I love that story, and that was the first the first one that I was kind of thinking like, yeah, well, we're gonna do we're gonna do audiobooks. So that came from this is a public domain piece from like the 30s. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really the, the the first one that the first project that I made that I had you know this whole audiobook thing in mind. Uh, I've been doing this almost entirely on the, on just podcasts or on the website itself. But mm-hmm. these should be audiobooks. Um, these type, these should be experiences that people can have there. So that was the first one that I was thinking, yeah, this is where we're gonna go. And then, obviously, Journey to Saturn just—I don't want to say blew it away, but it, it was just like boom. Journey to Saturn just appeared, and and the words just kind of came because mm-hmm. the music came a long time ago. Um, but the words, I, I mean, I've said this before on, on the various shows, the words didn't come until until I could hear a voice speak them, you know, and, and speak power to them. And, you know, that, that obviously required you because I could hear, I could hear Cassini before the recording, you know, you know what I mean? I could yep, hear it yep. in your voice, I could read it in your voice and feel it. So mm-hmm. That's created that special connection and that's I guess yeah entirely original uh, from beginning to end so I'm, I'm very very proud of that one. Oh, it's it's a it's beautiful because I still listen to it and I uh, uh, it just uh, it's just amazing it's just what you did with it is amazing so that's why it's like and when people go to that theater it's really a theater it's really high quality it is Hollywood all right, this is what it is. It's going for your um, your movie, 
and you're just gonna have a blast just a blast but i just love it it's the quality is that good which is amazing then you do the podcast as well because we talk about mindwave and uh, i am uh, also part of the family here mm -hmm. uh, with emma's universe um and others individuals are also um part of the family of um of stargazers because it's not only theaters but it's also podcast which is absolutely fantastic um so you got uh, a lot of people you got ryan who's here for rise up um you got interstellar frequency which is awesome mm -hmm. you got spirit monkey war uh, war of one hard truth and uh, you got extended network for a couple of them as well, which is life in space and uh, any cli uh, climate uh, climate peaks podcast. So mm. it's, it's a bit of everything. Yeah. yeah, and I love the fact that it's that diversifies quote unquote because it's not only theater but it's also podcast. And you do have because I'm visiting everything right now. By the way, as I'm going in there is you do have a section which is uh, actually called stars and this is original artist so you do have people here as well who are magicians and they do have their own original uh, work which is great which is awesome mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you want to expand a little yeah. bit on more on that? Well, it, the site, I, I've been trying to figure out what how best to organize everything. The original idea was that it would just all go in this thing called the universe and that you could easily navigate around it. Mm -hmm. And the universe part of the site is, is still accessible. It's under construction, but it's the Helix Nebula thing in the, in the, in the bottom why i made the stars page is um i mean that's a whole new part i wanted everybody to have you know kind of like an artist page yes um which you know there's there's obviously it's pretty much just me and ryan um who are the orig stargazer original music artists but then i also wanted to give a place there to highlight um some of the artists who are who are featured in in the theater pieces so the imagination theater pieces, uh, Melody Sheet, John D. Boswell, yeah. Nigel Stanford, yeah. mm -hmm. um, Alexander Misko, those are all prominently featured artists in the upcoming pieces. Um, and then also because, you know, Epidemic has become such a big part of the new style uh, of, of show that we're, we're all striving to make uh there there are a handful of the epidemic artists uh, highlighted in there as well that that just get used again and again and again because they're brilliant um independent artists um that were fortunate enough to be able to license their work through epidemic so you know we got uh bonnie grace is is a big staple on not only my show but on uh, interstellar frequency as well joe wandrini I mean, we just have some fantastic, fantastic composers there that I really wanted to give them uh, a place to shine there. So th those are not, you know, studio artists, but we we use their work a lot and we're really happy to be able to let the world know, give them the credit. Say, yes, that, that's who we're using in this piece. 
Um, nice. And I'm trying to get better about that. And that, <laughs> that's awesome. I think it's wonderful to be able to give the space uh, for people to really show uh, their art history. And I think it's, to me, essential. So they have people know who they are a little bit more. Because mm. it reminds me, I forgot the name of... Uh, who started that, actually? Because the one of the past music I use... Uh, one second uh, oh yeah banners okay so when the before I had your beautiful music which unless you do something else different and give me something else I keep that music it's just beautiful but when I started my podcast years ago I don't think I had an intro in an exit music when I started but so I don't recall if I had one in the beginning or maybe I did but I don't know and I saw like you said uh, people are using their music all the time well I was uh, watching a series and it's a British series about the royal and the royal it's not about uh, it's with uh, Elizabeth Hurley so it's the version of the royal but in a most wicked way <laughs> Mm. you can ever think about it's awesome it's a great show actually i love it and i was listening to some of the music and i didn't know who the artist was and it was banners and they had uh one of the songs it's half light and i discovered that artist through that show and i picked up one which is basically i picked up a snippet of uh starter riot actually because the entry and the exit was part of that music but again if you don't give the space to the people like that, like you you are doing actually, then we don't know much about who they are and what uh, music or song or what they, they are doing. So it's nice to have that space for them. Mm. Because one song, like there is a song of Kate Bush uh, right now, and that's from the 80s. And now it's back here in the US and everybody is like, oh, I love it. I'm like, yeah, it's the 80s. It's Kate Bush. And they're like, you know her? I'm like, yes, I grew up with her. So yes, but they're using for a specific show. And that, uh, her song uh, just skyrocketed. And, and it's like, yeah, you don't know the artist and learn who she is. But when you hear one song or music, then you want to know more about the artist. So if you don't have the space or you don't know who they are, it makes it more complicated. And I love the fact that you created a space for them to be showcased. I think it's awesome. Yeah, I, I think it's important. And mm -hmm. I mean, because some of the best composers of, of all time who go in into you know shows that you know you'd see on Netflix or Hulu or something? People don't uh, generally know the names of those people. One of my favorite uh, composers is uh, Bear McCreary, and you would definitely recognize his work if you if you if. Okay, so real quick, he did the uh, the themes for Battlestar Galactica and Caprica. He also oh, did right. the opening title sequence for Black Sails, which is one of, with the hurdy-gurdy, that's one of my favorite compositions of all time. He did Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. He did mm -hmm. uh, the theme song to The Walking Dead. Okay. Um, so, uh, and tons of films and, and video games and things, but that's just an example of, like, people don't 
think about you know that that part of the creation process that there there is there is a composer who that that's their job to create a theme for a show that really sets the stage for the whole show and podcasts generally yes. don't have that yes. uh, and I insist I'm like no I insist mm-hmm. that everyone should have a, a theme song like this is like this is you know HBO plus or whatever <laughs> I could say I have one now <laughs> thanks to you yes. Because I didn't know I had one and I was, it's funny because I was switching and like, I need something different. And I picked up something. It wasn't what I wanted, but he was like, okay, that will do, you know. And when you, you uh, um, share that with me, which brought tears in my eyes, I'm like, I'm shocked. I'm like, who would ever wrote a team song for my (laughs) podcast? Nobody. And I was in awe because it was so beautiful. It's so me. It's so the universe. It's so Emma that it was just like, that's perfect. I loved it. And that's why I got the short version at the beginning and I had the, the full version at the end. So for people to listen to it, listen to the end because the music is amazing. It's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Uplifting upon your chakras. It's just gorgeous. So it's to me you're right it sets the tone it sets the tone of the show and a lot of people don't realize who the composers are and they just love the music they love the sound but they don't know so for me that you get that space for those artists to be heard it's i think it's fantastic it gives an opportunity for people to know them more mm. definitely mm-hmm. And this is, uh, this is, I got to give an, a nod to Stan Lee here because with, with um, Marvel and, and that whole universe there, he thought it was important for people to sit through the credits. And no, actually sit there and look at the people who made this possible. Look, look at how many people it took to bring this project to life. And... He, he had this brilliant move of doing the after credits scene. Mm-hmm. So would keep people in the theaters to sit through the credits to see, oh, what's going to happen in the after credits. Uh, and that's, I, I kind of want to bring a little bit of that energy too. Of like, yeah, you should, you, you should sit through the credits. Uh, and, and we might even make that like a little treat, a little goodie for you. If, if, um, if you do, and if you are paying attention, we love hiding Easter eggs. Mm-hmm. a lot. There are tons of these stories all over the place. Not so much in Journey to the Sound. I mean, there's, there's there's a couple, but I will not reveal them. They're they're hidden little <laughs> surprise Easter eggs uh, that are references to other things mm-hmm. uh, in a lot of the work. No, um, but, but yeah, it's about wonderful. honoring honoring the creative process and and doing and doing the credits and letting people know um, mm-hmm. place to shine. I I have I've I. I think we've talked about this before. I don't want to be famous. I don't want to be in front of the camera. I want to be the invisible guy behind the curtain who's, you know, done <laughs> a billion things and I'm in everything, but you'd never know because it's not it's not about me and 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 how cute I am. Uh, I am rather cute, if you can't tell by the <laughs> I do I <laughs> I don't have a face for radio. I, I definitely got the the radio voice thing down. Oh. 
But uh, no, that's always made me uncomfortable. I've always just wanted to be the, the invisible guy uh, behind the curtain. Because um, it it's big creative projects like this. I mean, the most moving creative projects, they take all kinds of people um, coming together and working together. And, and I've just really, really, for the longest time, wanted to be one of those people um, cr helping create some big, beautiful masterpiece that just becomes a part of our culture, you know, for the rest of time, for as long as humans are left on this planet, you have these moments where something emerges, some art piece emerges, and it becomes a part of our culture for the rest of history. And that's, yeah, sorry, maybe that's a little too deep, a little too esoteric, but that, that's really what I strive for, to be one of the invisible, <laughs> invisible creators in the background making magic. No, but that's beautiful. I think it's I think it's wonderful. I think it's beautiful what you're doing. And as I said, the quality is amazing. The wording is amazing. Everything about uh, what you have done for uh, the studio is just amazing. It allows people to create, really let their creativity come to the surface and go even beyond that. Uh, you even have a space actually for uh, video as well, where uh, because it's not you know it's a full package. The Studio mm. Stargazer is a full package. It's not a half baked or a quarter baked. Mm. Baked. I like the half baked only in Ben and Jerry's ice cream. The rest, <laughs> not so much. I always say that to people. I said I don't do half baked. <laughs> me when I go to this grocery store and I've not eaten a half bake from Ben and Jerry for years but I would go voluntarily to go eat one but no it's the full package it's not only from the music it's not only for the sound the theater sound but also for the video for um so can you talk more about that for uh, that area for stargazers well, the the visual component is I mean, it's never been one of my strong suits. The, the, the idea has always been that we would get, you know, uh, video, vi visual artists uh, on the team who could then do things like design things in 3D because we, we do have the goal of developing some of these stories, for example, into like video games. So we're where we're actually designing the worlds and we're designing the characters and then using the, the writing and the, and the story and the themes and everything and, and weaving that into a game. Studio Stargazer hopes to also do games uh, in, in a couple years time, but haven't really done all, a lot of that yet. We don't have actually any um, full video pieces. I, I, I've made trailers, um, or, you know, kind of cinematic trailers for some of the theater pieces to try and engage people visually, too, to be like, come sit down, experience this with, with us. Um, mm -hmm. And then just, uh, so so the video part is, is mostly just um, samples, design comps, uh, trailers for different stuff, because there are people who are really good um, at video production, I don't. I don't consider myself one of them. I have very expensive tools, <laughs> but that's different. But I want that to be one of the things that Studio Stargazer can offer is, you know, just uh, bringing that 
that cinematic Hollywood trailer level feel to to uh, everything that we do. And so there's not a whole lot that's been uh, done in in the video domain yet. You mentioned Little Lights. I mean, that that is uh, probably my favorite visual piece uh, that that I've done, and that's a sample from Only Through Fire, which uh, I really, really want you to read for that for that character and that piece. Uh, when we go finally get back, I think uh, maybe October, maybe okay. we'll have a very spooky uh, story about a village. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. uh, but I, I also tend to break a lot of design rules uh, when I work visually. And when I work uh, in video in particular, I love overlaying. Um, so this is not something that's super <laughs> common by any stretch of the imagination, but I love taking assets and then, you know, making them more transparent and then layering things over each other. Uh, so it's one of the, my weird creative styles that, that I get into in video, but I, I, I don't do, I don't do a whole lot of that work, but with, you know, ad slot level commercial type stuff, there's definitely some opportunities there um, to do that kind of work for people. And uh, the first tab now on the website is services. And you helped inspire that for me too, is that people, well, people should pay for (laughs) uh, these kinds of services and we should be able to provide that. and it kind of deserves a premium price. And so, you know, thank you again and for giving me the strength <laughs> to actually put is, that on the site. <laughs> it is high quality uh, work because when people are listening to it, they will realize this is quality. This is high level quality work. It's not, you know, uh, I will say it, it's not like driving and doing drive through. It's really compare it to food, to restaurant. It's not a mm. drive through. Is sitting down and having a menu and looking at the cart and a la carte and the menu and deciding what you want. So it really is high quality, tailored to what the needs of the person wants. But again, like everything else, uh, you know, it's not working for free. You know what I mean? It's like not breaking the bank either. But when you're looking at uh, the work you have done so far, even that um, uh, journey to Saturn can set the tone of the quality it is. And that's what it's amazing because for me, listening to the music, remember what I said, I said, you, I was, <laughs> I said a few like cursing word and not in a bad way, but it reminds me of Jean-Michel Jarre. It's the same kind of beautiful music that he did and the quality was there to start with. Then the words came and it's like, holy crap. It was, I was shocked. It was like, oh my God, I wasn't expecting, you know, I never expect anything because that's always the best part of it. Never expect something and just go with the flow. But I was, I was uh, um, really looking at it. I read it one time and I'm like, holy crap, I know exactly what I'm supposed to do. And I just, it was one take, that was it, one take. And I sent it to you and I said, okay. God, isn't that beautiful? What God, do isn't that, that beautiful? <laughs> I don't know how many times it happened to people to just do one take, but it took one take to do it. And But it was the emotion, it was feeling it, it was ready to mm-hmm. sit down. Um, 
ground myself and just go and open up. We talked, we had an offline conversation about, you know, being able to, you can be the best actor ever, but if you don't feel it, if you don't open up uh, the wounds, if you don't open up your past situation that may not be pleasant, then you cannot transfer the emotion to the words. So people cannot feel it. You can read and have the most beautiful voice in the world if the emotion is not there because you need that emotion. You need that energy to really connect with people, to go deep in their core and really, you know, um, create that bubble around them. So anyone who listen to it gonna feel something. Everybody that listened to it actually told me and came back to me and said, You were all crying. I'm like, Okay, good. <laughs> I cried, so you will keep on crying. Not in a bad way. But yeah. it's just a matter of being able to, as a narrator, being able to um, translate this into a feeling. And that Precisely. feeling, exactly. And that feeling, well, like it's like watching a movie. If you see somebody who starts to cry and, and they don't have the emotion, like uh, they are breaking down because they lost somebody or they lost their dogs or, or they are on, a, on, on, the, on, the, on the edge of losing their mind. Well, if they don't bring the emotion to it, it's like, okay, well, that was nice. Pass me the ketchup. Why do I care? <laughs> However, they have to bring that, um, that character to life. They became, they become that person. So for me, I don't know, maybe because of the trauma I've gone when I was younger and the life I had, it brought me the drama because what saved me from insanity from where I was to where I am today has been my imagination. As a young kid, I dreamed of a world, a world where, yes, it was grandiose of chaos. My God, I would win the Oscar for that every single time. But I brought that uh, emotion into that imaginary world and as I continue to grow older then I kind of overdone some few things in real life as drama because we can be good at it but it's keeping that emotion alive and to me it's amazing to see that and feel it so reading a piece reading a book reading something it's feeling the emotion like sometimes on tv i'm looking at something and it's so sad and they break up or something happened or the doggy died which in reality they did not but he died and then i start to tear up because i can feel the emotion it's about acting it's about being in a character and staying there so people can relate you know, so for me, Journey to Saturn was bringing back all of those emotions. Then people can relate to a loss, to something that happened to them that wasn't pleasant. Is bringing back those emotions of feeling. There is, I think that is probably the one thread that runs through all of the pieces that we that um, I've I've done and we've done in, in theater. Um, pain is is the one thread that runs through all of that, and and there are different kinds of pain. Journey to Saturn is 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 like a beautiful pain uh, to feel. Um, 
a bigger table is about the loss of, you know, the family and, and the grandparents and the big family table, you know, for the mm-hmm. holidays. And, and that's yep. a beautiful kind of pain. Yeah. Um, it does. It's gosh, we have not gotten to um, a dog and his boy yet. But um, that oh that story, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I just sketched that out um, okay. and described I, that's got to be. Yeah, it's some it's it's somewhere on Mindwave, uh, a dog and his boy, the storyboard, um, mm-hmm. and because we all have this, you know, story about you know the the boy losing a dog, and and this is yep. kind of flips it where it's from the dog's perspective, and then you know yep. the boy goes away, and the dog doesn't understand where the boy went, and I'm like I'm <laughs> like tearing up, and it's like it, it, that's where I find true beauty. Um, mm-hmm. It pain, pain is a requirement. It's a necessary ingredient, I think, in everything that we do. The first yeah, one is that. like the the pain of realization being thrust into the world um, that's on fire. You know, yeah. Um, that, yeah. that first one is a little boy who's just thrust into the world, into the wilderness, and you know, coming to terms with that pain bigger table is about you know like remembering that loss of the family ryan's bell is about you know deep dark depression and, and the pain of loneliness and feeling but it's unloved all relatable. and it's it's, it's it's all exactly relatable is, it's all relatable it's not something right like you think oh it's a sci-fi and oh my god that would never happen to me those oh. are moments that brings us uh the the human side of us the spiritual side of us like I always said, I'd rather be in a realm with in the angelic realm and above because it's peaceful. You don't have to feel, you just feel the love. But the human side that brings us here as human, because we're spirit first and human second, brings all of the emotions. So I know most people, we don't want to go through pain. We don't want to go through tears and sorrow. We don't. That's the, you know, that's the hardest part. But that's the part that makes us grow. That's the hardest part. It's not, oh, champagne and bonbon and caviar today. No, through the pain, through the trials, through the tribulation, through the challenges, this is where we arise. This is where we become who we're meant to become. This is where you have to open up. Even if you don't, you have to open yourself up in fear. And be For present. love, yeah. Lo- love mm-hmm. is, I said that pain is the thread that winds its way through all of these things, but really, I mean, love is is this is this just radiating energy inside and outside of everything. It's like it really is about love, and I'm glad that you mentioned sci-fi because, oh man, is is the sci-fi story that good too? It does. It pulls the exact same heartstrings on purpose. People are going to be just blown away by the cinematic quality of it, but it's also Mm -hmm. real. It stabs to the heart. Uh, but the so other I thing too. I cannot wait for people to hear that. <laughs> I, I want to. I want to add something. It's not only love. It's unconditional love. Yes. Love is love. However, unconditional love is the purest form. I think the that's that's form true of love. love. And it's true love. It's not some, something it's tied to. It's coming from the universe. That means your spirit will yes. open up, and your heart chakra opens, and this is where you can feel 
connection of unconditional love. Unconditional love cannot be broken. So when you lost, and I know that because you know I, I I'm not gonna write, read it today. Um, we talked about it on uh, our last uh, podcast. We did actually. We recorded it. I read about the blog about uh, the lost, yes. but at the end of the day, it's unconditional love. So, as people or animals are crossing over, the unconditional love is still there. That bound, it's still there. And that's what people need to understand. It's not the end. The connection is still and will be there, no matter what. Like every uh, animals that I lost, I know they're on the other side. I know the bond. I can feel it. And that con unconditional love, actually, it's healing love. It's pure gold. It's something that cannot be corrupted because it comes from the universe, aka God, whomever you want to call it. It comes and heals you. So through pain, we are healing. We are learning unconditional love. We can be angry because we go through eight different stages of anger. And I've done that uh, when I lost Malu, which I realized very quickly when I started to be angry, because I'm peaceful as much as we can. But when I started to get angry, I'm like, oh, this is not good. And this is why I felt that the grieving part of it wasn't happening, but I was going I was going into an anger phase that shouldn't have been there. I should have been transitioning because I knew it was time for him to go. But it's it's a phase and it's being open to feel that unconditional love. It's being open to realizing I'm losing you in a physical world because we are no, it's a shell here. We are only here for a snippet, for a certain amount of time. But they are on the other side. And we will meet them no matter what. On the other side, they're waiting for us. So it's the understanding, the growth, and the healing. And when you open your heart, which is the hardest part of it, to feel everything. Because it's not easy. You can put a lid on, but trust me, even if you put a lid on and a 10 pound, 10 tons of concrete, it will be a crap and that lid's gonna open. So it's working the pain, working through the pain in the understanding of the unconditional love. And when you understand that, then your heart is filled with that love. You don't have any anger, you just have pure unconditional, unconditional love. Are you still here, Jim? Uh, yes, yes, okay. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> That's exactly it. Um, that is exactly it. And, you know, uh, in my life, I, I've lost um, four dogs. So we had, we had the childhood dogs, um, mm -hmm. Lucy and Duffy, which uh, I still, you know, I still feel that unconditional love mm -hmm. for them. And then the, the last two, uh, Buddy and Lunchbox, they, they visit me often in... in my dreams i still dream about them and i still feel so much love for them and and i i did become very angry um when they died because they both died at home in our arms um i was angry at myself um for not you know going and you know when they when they were a little feeling a little sick uh, we should have we should have just immediately taken them to the vet we didn't we were like oh you know you 
your tummy will feel better, you know, like, come on, we'll get you some canned pumpkin or whatever. You try to make them, you mm-hmm. comfort them, make them feel better. Mm-hmm. And then they, they, they just died right there. And they, they died too early. They both did. And we didn't even fucking know until after, after the fact, we could, we didn't know what happened, why they died. Um, and then discovered, you know, this oleander bush in, uh, in the backyard, which is poison. Oh, dogs. Wow. So even if they were just chewing on a stick, that's all it would have taken. Yep. You know, it only takes a one or two oleander leaves, um, and they would they'll just be poisoned and, and fucking die. And we didn't know, so I I was angry um, yep. at myself for yep. for not knowing. And what? Are that's, that's really weird. My um, my battery backup thing is flashing red and green and making a noise. It's never done that before. The power okay. didn't go out. I uh, am feeling and, that anyway, somebody else is from the universe who's telling you that uh, you shouldn't be angry at it and it happened, it happened, and you're just fine. I think it's a little message from the universe, actually, from the little ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, I'm, yes. I'm, I'm going to mute myself and (laughs) roll the conversation ball back to you okay yeah that's beautiful beautiful no no but that's i think it's no but it's wonderful to talk about this because it's again it's you know not roses and bonbon every day so i love the fact that we can bring the emotion i love the fact when we bring the nurturing i love the fact that um the words are so powerful but again you need to get the feeling, and it's very hard if you don't open up. You have to open up. In order to do this, you have to open up. So for me, for the journey to Saturn, I don't know, it was the right time because I would have been down a few years ago or even six months ago. Maybe it would have not been the same result. And I was like, 10 years ago, it would have been less because I would have not opened up. But you have to open and be vulnerable. That's the key, being vulnerable and realizing at the end of the day, okay, this is the story. I'm gonna uh, walk away from it, so I'm gonna become my own self as well. Because a lot of people don't uh, don't have a clue or learn that um, what do you call it? Um, you have to get out of that uh, character. So, and that can take a while actually. When you're deep into it and you have all of those feelings, you have to learn to close it. But it's feasible. I know I talked about there was uh, Patrick Devere, who was a, a French actor who killed himself because his movies were so intense. At the end, he lost himself because he was so involved and uh, he, was, he was a phenomenal actor. You could feel the pain, you could feel the struggle. The problem is he did not recognize who he was at the end and it was too much to bear. So you have to find a healthy, I would say, balance when you do this kind of work, even as an actor. You have to learn to get off your character and realize this was a script. The same with what you wrote about the journey to Saturn. I pulled all of the, all of the feelings I had to pull and bring and open the wounds and do everything I had to do to deliver that piece, but it was so beautiful, so healing in the same time. It was just beautiful, but it takes... And that's why it worked. Yes. <laughs> that's why it worked. People don't understand this about when they, when they think, oh, I want to be an actor. 
Uh, no, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't want to be an actor, 99% of people, because you do have to kind of rip open your own soul and be willing to feel that, to channel that, to become a character. And most people are not willing to do that. I love doing it. It's it's therapeutic for me. It's I agree. You know, and because look, look at what we can do <laughs> when we do that. The strength and vulnerability thing is, is huge for me, especially as a man who, you know, you yeah. grow up, oh, boys don't cry, you know. All oh, that's that. the uh, stupidest yes, they, yes, thing they ever. Do. Yes, they do. That is the stupidest thing ever. Yeah. The stupidest lesson yeah. that we ever teach uh, kids. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, they don't do a whole lot of that anymore, but um, I find a lot of strength in vulnerability, particularly as a man. And um, yes. it's beautiful. No, it's beautiful. I think I think it is. And being vulnerable, this is where we open up ourselves, like it's cracking the shell and just open up, open up ourselves because beauty comes out of it. Even through the pain, the sorrow, the ugliness, beauty comes through out of it. It's not putting makeup on and looking pretty that it's, you know. I always said, if you put two people in the same room and somebody is like drop dead gorgeous and people are like attracted to that person, after a minute, if there is no content inside, People walk away from it and we'll go to talk to somebody else who has content inside of them, who has substance, essence, and it's the same way. So if people want to do like, uh, you know, I've done the voiceover, the storytelling and what you do as well, then remember, you need to be vulnerable. If you don't have it, people are not going to feel it at all. And if they don't feel it, they're not going to believe you. They're not going to believe the story. They just gonna listen for a minute, and they just gonna say, "Okay, that was nice." Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. So yeah. So that's that's wonderful. This is what I love. It's the creativity. It's the the authenticity. It's the beautiful work. The music. The composition. Uh, even if you're looking at the videos, there is one of them that uh, actually you had. We had a snippet that gives me actually the goosebumps. It's. Um, the video that you, as a snippet you get for Journey to Saturn, I can't wait to see what the you're going to do with it. Oh my God, oh. it gives me the goosebumps, literally. To adapt that the whole piece into um, a cinematic video experience, that, that is going to be a huge video project, but I did give people a little bit of a taste of what that's going to look like and feel like, and it's, it's using you know, actual actual NASA imagery um, mm -hmm. from Saturn and computer models and, and things so that uh, we can actually visually take take people to this place that we're talking about, especially when we start talking about Titan and, and well, Jupiter. It starts off Venus and Jupiter are, are the two big ones that um, at the beginning of the story and then once we get to Saturn, I mean, there's there's all these moons. We only mentioned two of them, but you know, we'll probably show visually uh, more of them. And my favorite favorite moment actually represents a, a real a real moment in time um, when when Cassini is looking back to the Earth and the Moon. Oh, excuse me. Bless you. <laughs> Thank you. Bless you. 
and you could you could hear the emotion in your voice because we look back. I was crying. The, the, the earth I was and the moon. I was saying goodbye. I was saying goodbye. They're just stars. They're just stars now. The earth and the moon. And when she, okay. when Cassini says, no. um, yeah. but I saw them, and for a yeah. brief moment I knew yeah. they saw me too. Yes. That yeah. represents a an actual event um, that mm -hmm. was orchestrated by NASA that was like, uh, look up and smile and wave at, at the spacecraft. Wait, it's going to take this picture, and that, that picture it, it is one of the most... I think it's taken through the rings, too, this as well. So Cassini is spinning up there around, and it, it just sees this tiny little... You can see both, the Earth and the Moon, just these little teeny tiny points of light through the rings, and... Uh, Cassini was, you know, kind of waving at us, and NASA did this whole, you know, like wave back thing. Everyone on yep. Earth waved yep. back, and yeah, that's my favorite. That's my favorite moment. And that, and I, and lucky you, I wasn't totally mm -hmm. bawling. I was my ear, my my ears, my my tears were rolling, and I was, you know, using my hand to clean up. Okay, okay, but I was. It was a very deep moment for me was where you feel that your world is being shattered because you know you can never go back and you can feel the connection uh, being pulled you know you pulled away so that's why and I was crying because I knew it was the end I knew that as the journey was close to end that beautiful journey that it was time for me to go. So he was saying goodbye. And and I had the tears and I was crying. I was crying. I wasn't bawling and I go, oh, it would have been bad. It would have been horrible. It would have been, oh my God. Everybody would have jumped from the first floor and run for the hills. But it was so emotional because it was this is where you can feel that etheric cord being cut. And you're floating somewhere else where everybody is watching you and just sending you love. So that was uh, extremely emotional. Yes, it was. It was that heartbreaking uh, time. It was emotional when uh, uh, Cassini let go of her child. It was, you know, but he was safe. It was like, okay, I let you go because you're with me, but I'm going to let you go cut the cord. But it's safe. Where I'm sending you, it's safe. So I know you're going to be okay. I can let you go. I'm proud of you because I know you're going to do something fabulous. I'm so proud of you. But yes, when she turned around and said goodbye for the last time, that was, I think, one of the hardest uh, thing. And that really, every time I'm hearing it, it's right there, it brings me tears again and again and again. It's like, I can feel it, I can see it. So it was pretty powerful. So I'm just glad I didn't ball into 10,000 because I was containing, you know, in the same time, you're saying goodbye, but it's okay. But you're walking away or flying away into a di different uh, direction. So it was, as I said, you really have to put your, um, uh, 
you really have to put those emotions and really become raw with your emotions and not control. Me, I was just controlling the tears so I could continue to talk because it would have been like, I mean, and it was sort of like, oh my gosh, she's savvy. It's just like, it's going to be appalling people. But it was so beautiful. I don't know. I couldn't explain the beauty of the words and knowing what NASA did and how it helped Earth and people to know more about Saturn, to me, was the most beautiful part of it. So, yeah. So that it was, was that just was... the beginning. That was just mm -hmm. the beginning. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, exactly. I cannot wait to see where we go next and what we do next, we're going to outdo ourselves again and again and again and again. And they're just going to oh. keep getting better and more powerful. Well, that's what I've heard that. Do you remember what I said? I said, well, if you need me for any me, if you need me for anything, I'm here. I'm not changing it. I belong to you. I am the first one in the line. I punch everybody else's in the face. Move over, people. I'm coming. <laughs> like, I'm coming, people. Move. Fine. <laughs> but I don't know. I always wanted to uh, to do that as a kid. I don't know. I always thought I would do something like that because, you know, um, I, I, I wish when I was younger, I said I would love to become an actor because I could become whoever I want to become. I want to, to not be me. I want to be somebody else's. I want to transform myself. And that, to me, um, is amazing because I was thinking of voiceover a few years ago and I never pursue it. And the few things I had to pass a test on, I miserably failed because it wasn't uh, right on timing or whatever the deal was. So, but doing it, it was the right piece. It was the right music. It was the right moment. It was everything came at the time it's supposed to come because it's called perfect synchronicity. And to me, I'd rather doing it now than would have done six months ago or a year ago or 10 years ago because it would not been the same result. Because I had to go through the life I've gone in order to deliver what I've done with Journey to Saturn and more episodes, uh, more more stories we're gonna be doing together. So for me, it, you know, you have to attain a certain level of maturity. Mm. And when you're evolving in your own life, you're maturing, you're growing, and that's transpired even more and more as you're aging. So for me, if you're 20 and try to do this, the emotion will not be the same. The result will be different because it's based on the legacy of what you have gone through, past and now in the present time, but it's it's the entire spectrum of who you truly are. So for me, it's good. Everything happening right now for you actually has a reason to happen. And to me, it's, uh, it's the right timing. So when you see people who are in their 40s, 50s and 60s and succeeding at what they're doing, it's because there's a maturity that has to come with it. And this, the storytelling, you can make, make up this at all. You have it or you don't have it yet. What are your thoughts on that? 
just lost in a sea of stars, honestly, (laughs) because it's one of the most beautiful places to be, frankly, is, is that kind of lost, wandering, vulnerable, what is this? Who am I? And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's important. Looking back is something that I try to do less of now. But if you never look back, you will never realize how far you've come. It's important. It's important Mm -hmm. to do that. Not dwell in the past, but remind yourself regularly of, of how far you've come. Yes. It's it's empowering it keeps it keeps you going it keeps you you know climbing the next mountain to get to the next valley and so on and so on and so on and so on i i agree with you i think you know you always have to remember where you come from no matter what i know i came from for poor um we grew up poor in a town who basically um segregated us I'm laughing, I know people are going to be offended. Oh my God, you get segregated. Yeah, absolutely. It's not only in the US you're being segregated, it's around the world. But it it taught us a lot. It taught us to learn to um, be self-sufficient, self-reliant, and to let, I let my imagination guide me. I would not have my imagination. I would not be here today at all. But those experiences did not brought the anger in me. I know people are resentful because, oh, I'm this, I'm that, and they're comparing who they are. And I'm like, stop the comparison because there's nothing to compare with one another. All of our journey are different. However, embrace your past because it's a reminder of where you're from and where what you can achieve because the sky is the limit. The universe is the limit. There is no limit on anything. So for me, Looking back at where I come from is a reminder that, wow, you get a freaking journey. You ate your black bread because we call it the black bread, which is basically in the old age, in the Moyen-Age, the black bread, which is basically the, um, your, uh, what do you call it? Uh, what do you call it? Uh, wheat bread. And all of those breads that are not white, uh, the wheat bread was considered for the poor. This is what we call it, the black bread. And the white bread was for the um, all of those uh, lords and prince and princess and blah, blah, blah. Um, so that was the fancy bread. That was the one that people could not afford, actually. Most people could not afford it. So, But when you're looking at the life we've got and where we are, move that anger into productivity, move that story and change that story because we can change the narrative of the story. And I've done it over and over and over. And I'm a persistent, stubborn person. You don't get anything you want if you're sitting down on your couch eating your potato chips. Sorry, people. It doesn't happen this way. However, looking at what you have done with the studio itself, the creativity you brought in, and what it's becoming right now, it's amazing. But it took a journey from you to do that as well. Not an easy one either. Our story is different, but 
It's the same at the end of the day. It's listening to our spirit. It's moving ourselves to a level where creativity, where we can bring something, bring a legacy that's going to inspire others. Bring the quality of the work and what you do to life so people can enjoy it. Those are amazing. For me, Journey to Saturn is rediscovering a lot, especially at the end. Realizing, because when I finished to read all of it at the end, I was in fully awe of NASA. Because Cassini could have been rotating forever over there and bumping into anything, disturbing the, the um, Saturn and everybody else is around, actually. Because you never know, you know, she go off course, there could have been an unfolding disaster. They were mindful of sacrificing her in order to preserve Saturn in the ring and every in the beauty of it. When you start to think this way and look at the bigger picture, you're gonna have goosebumps right now when I'm speaking about it, you realize how mindful we can become through that entire journey, through that sacrifices and take this into your own experience. Everybody should think about the worst things that happen to them, even now, maybe not having a great day because you're dealing with some crap. But think about it for a minute and see what you can overcome because situations are temporary. Let's make it temporary. Let's change the way we think so we get a better outcome. It's not about beating the crap of somebody else's or being at the top of, oh my God, cousin Bob has big yacht. I want to be one, who cares? It's about what your spirit is, what your call is, in the inspiration. So for me, you know, understanding uh, Cassini and the sacrifice that the people who built Cassini, because at the end of the day, this was their babies, okay? So seeing this baby go off the earth, travel, do beautiful, see the wonders of the universe and sacrifice it at the end of the day, that's heartbreaking. I'm like, holy crap, why would you do that? Well, because there is a bigger picture. And that picture is to preserve, not to alter. It's to preserve. If we could pick up all of the garbage that is around the orbits, I would love it. We need to have something <laughs> happening here on Earth. But look at the, the, the imprint they did and the mindfulness. To me, we can apply this to our own lives. We truly can. We truly can. You agree. So. And you, you nailed uh, the why. Uh, the more important question when, when the whole what is Studio Stargazer? Well, what, what is it is not um, as important as why is it? <clears throat> yes. why, why yes. is Studio Stargazer? And you really nailed it home there with um, this. This reminds me of our motto, per aspera ad astra. Um, very old sentiment in Latin, through hardship to the stars. Yes. A lot of uh, a, a lot of people just shorten that to Ad Astra, to the stars. Oh, we're going to the stars. I'm like, no. 
through hardship to the stars. Yes. The yes. Getting through the hardship is is not only like important; it's crucial. It's that's a, a crucial ingredient in the alchemy mm-hmm. of of the spirit or whatever. You have to get through that hardship. Yes. And keep going. And expect yes. another one. Expect another one coming very soon. This was the theme of um, you know my last episode. Uh, uh, Spirit Wolf is passing storms. Um, when the storms are, are are coming and they're shaking your house, the skies cracking open alive with thunder and getting just dumped with rain, and there's a, the storm is rocking your your whole house. Um, there is a reason. It, it, it'll that. pass, but. Mm-hmm. But that's transformation. That's transformation. We cannot transform without chaos. We cannot transform without challenges. Then we want it or not, then we like it or not, because I don't say you don't have you have to like it at all. But changes comes with chaos. Yes. And that's the transformation. For us, if we were not being challenged, we would not transform ourselves. And that's something we need to understand. The transformation we have to go through is like the butterfly in the chrysalis. You have to break the chrysalis in order for you to become the butterfly and fly away. Sounds crazy, sounds lunatic, sounds sounds whatever, but it is what it is. So you have to have that uh, full understanding and being there and understand through the pain, through the perseverance, through thinking outside of the box, that's what you do. You transform, you change, you evolve. It's like um, if you have a company and you you have people, you're gonna lose people in a company because when you go through transformation, then some people are not gonna want to transform. They, don't want, they are not fitting anymore to what the company needs to be. It's the same with a relationship. There is some relationship, they're gonna pop away because it run its course. It's time for people to go to different path. It's not bad, it's good, because it gives opportunity to learn from the relationship they're in to the next one. And it doesn't matter if it's a personal or a friend, a friend you know, friends or whatever it is, it doesn't matter how close it is. But these are transformation. So it's, you know, it's, it's a goodbye, but it's look at it in a sense of this run its course. There is nothing else to learn from each other. There is nothing else that can, uh, we can help each other for our highest good. And there is people who will stay in your life for the rest of your life and some who don't. But it's not a sad story. It's a good story. It gives the opportunity for others to come in. Yes, it will happen again and again and again and again exactly. and again and exactly. this is this is the lesson that i took from the passing storms yes. you know uh when, when the storm finally breaks and the sun comes out again it's like well uh that it's it's gonna happen again but you know well in the meantime we'll enjoy the sunshine and and try to prepare ourselves you know as much as we can and um the studio has had a lot uh, uh i think mostly loss <laughs> when it comes to the people who have invited in, into this what i consider you know a new family um yeah it we lost uh, you know the original my first co-host there are at least i want to say up to like a dozen uh different shows different podcasts that were once a part of this that no longer are and 
that's okay. You know, if I find myself going like, do do I feel bad about the fact that no, I no, I I really don't because um maybe they just maybe they didn't understand yet like who we are and what we're what we're actually trying to do like what the purpose mm-hmm. of all of this is. Exactly. Um and it's we are slowly finding the people who do so um yes but you have to see it as well it's a it's an opportunity for people to change it's an opportunity yes. when they come across this to are they ready or not is it for the highest good they have a choice and some people will not change and some people will take a different direction and that's okay that's all free will and that's all good there is nothing wrong about it but again, um, with changes comes new people, comes a lot of things. So it's going to be fun. It's, it's to me, it's looking at the studio as a cocoon, as a space where people can really do their, what they're meant to be doing and let their creativity shine. That is that is a beautiful way to close it up. That is exactly it. It it is a playground. It's it's a garden, a community garden. Come play, explore, learn, grow, come and go as you wish. Uh, But let's build and and create and explore uh, together. And that's that's really what this is. Yes. So I love that. And I do too. So, but I, uh, do you have anything you would like to share with people? Well, I have to pee. I've been dancing in my chair. Um, but I'm I very excited. Before, I think we did. Yes, <laughs> yes we've been here before. Um, I think that was on the last episode too. <laughs> Um, oh my god! But I'm very excited yeah, yeah. for for the for the new lands that we're going to discover, the new stories to tell. Yes, there are, I am so excited for what is ahead. Yeah, and uh, we are constantly, constantly looking for people to be, you know, a part of this with us and come in and try this, especially if you've never tried it before. Um, come into this space and try it with us and we'll, we'll help you through it, we'll guide you through it. And, you know, it's it's empowering for for a lot of people to try something like this, especially people who have... I mean, you, wouldn't, you probably wouldn't believe me if I told you I had really, really bad social anxiety and cannot deal with people. Uh, my radio personality has gotten pretty okay at dealing with people. That's but good. For people who <laughs> people out there who are, who struggle yeah. with that yeah. of you know social anxiety cool. and things, this is a great exercise to try because you don't have to be yourself. You can be anything you want to be. You can be a, a, a garden fairy or a troll or you know, I, and that's, or, or a I, spacecraft. I, I agree with I agree with you because there's one thing that I found it in my podcast is being able to communicate because the key is the communication. So I always invite people to, uh, when I was on the, I'm not that much in there, on the other app, um, that talking live uh, help a lot for the communication level. So it's a good yes. exercise as well. And that's something people need to uh, recognize. I don't know if they do or not, but that's something they should be recognizing, how to communicate better. So doing podcast for me, it's 
really learn to continue to communicate because communication is something we should all be working on. So, and I, you said social, uh, you were a nerdy nerd. Well, don't worry, I was, I'm okay. super shy. <laughs> Believe it or not, people will never believe me at all. Are you shy? Yes, I am. I don't look shy, but I am. So. I'm very shy in real life too, uh, still to this day. <laughs> still too you I'm know just unless unless i'm drinking around. if i'm at the bar then I'm, <laughs> then i'm pretty friendly i still have that uh and okay. and and you know <laughs> it's it's a good thing yes <laughs> it's a good thing, but i, I want to challenge i want to challenge everybody to try something like this especially the people who go oh i hate what i sound like on a recording you'll get over that really quick uh, and you should I get do. over that if you if you I have do. that fear, you know that uncomfortableness of hearing your own voice recording. I hated my voice recording a, 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 yeah. an outgoing voicemail. You know, yeah. uh, thank you for calling. Like some people, that is excruciating for them to even just yeah. hear their own voice. So continue, practice, record, uh, share, do this as an exercise. Uh, it will help you grow. And absolutely. That that is that is my number one takeaway from this whole thing. That's why this studio exists. We and want everybody to try this. Exactly. Or come and listen to, as I said, mm -hmm. go to the theater and explain, experience the theater and realizing what it's all about. I think storytelling is beautiful. The music is unbelievable. So I would already encourage everybody to go on a studio stock dancers for sure. I can't so. wait for the next, the next big piece, the next big one is the sci-fi oh. adventure. That's UI eighty-six, and it is—it's so close, but we're not there yet, and we're taking more time. Uh, this is the one where I said, "No, we're going to take as much time as we need. I will take an extra year or two, if I need to, to get this right, because this is going to just blow people's minds." And I cannot wait. I'm, I'm more and more excited for it every day, but I get, you know. Same thing with people coming and going. I get discouraged and, oh, it's sat there for so long and I can't believe that's not done yet. I got to shut up that voice and go, you know, I just I just want to be excited for what is going to come. And I'm so glad that you're a part of that, too. We won't spoil anything yeah, yet, but that, that recording session is, is already <laughs> in, so. Uh, awesome. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> I'm not gonna say anything. Yes. But good, I good things, so, good things you know. coming in the future, kids. Yes. So definitely stay exactly. tuned. And and thank you so much for uh, for having me on your show and uh, mm -hmm. having me be the, the the guest this time. I think last time, uh, except for the the recording session that we did for the David thing. Uh, last yep. time it was very much like you were on Mindwave, you were on my show, and I was like, "Yeah, you can use it too," and I, and I I held the reins, and it was very very nice for me to to let you guide this one and just and have me uh, uh, on your show, and it's yes. it's it's a different experience, and I want to you know thank you obviously. Oh, for, there would be a, there would be another episode because me. we're not done talking, so just for people. To oh, know never another episode with Jenner, so. He's, he's coming back on MS Universe, but it was a pleasure to um, to have you today here on uh, MS Universe podcast. It's a blessing. And people, please check studio stargazer.org. Am I right when I say that? Is that correct? Org? 
Okay. And you can connect with Jenner directly there, or you can go on LinkedIn and connect with Jenner, or you can go on my LinkedIn, you will see that Stargazer is part of my little world because I'm part of the family as well of Stargazers. But enjoy it and connect with him because I'm telling you the theater piece, the podcasts are fantastic, the music, but the video, it's, oh my God, it's like, oh, so just the beginning oh yes absolutely this is as i said it's hollywood uh class act it's hollywood style it's beautiful it's super professional it's fantastic so thank you so much my love and i will talk to you later bye thank you i'll talk to you next time god i got a piece so bad okay (laughs) stick around two seconds This episode was produced by Studio Stargazer. Proudly powered by Epidemic Sound. The featured music artists of this episode, aside from me, were Joe... Wondrini and Bonnie Grace. Thank you for listening. We'll see you on the next one. If you live in the U.S., you can call 602-456-1800. Share your voice with us, and we will put it on the show. And expect a new phone number, specifically for Emma's universe, for you to call soon. Hearts beat themselves. Join us. Emma's Universe Podcast.
Stop.